Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We have our second ever guest on today's show, and it's freaking exciting because this woman is the creator of experiential neuroscience. She's an owner and director of Embodied Industries, a co-founder at The Art of Noticing, and she's a neuro mindset coach at the Sports Model Project, working with Patty Boydell. This person is Michelle Beatty. Welcome. Thanks, Michelle, for Thanks, coming Shannon. on. We're really excited to have you here. Yes. I'm so excited to be here. And I know we've connected before this podcast. I've been following you two for a little while, but it's such an honor and such a privilege to be in a space where we're sharing some of the knowledge of neuroscience, sharing some of the work that we do with women on this side of things and how that might impact high achieving women, whether or not it's athletes, whether or not it's high levels of work in our career, whether or not it's just trying to level up. So I'm so pleased to be in a space with you two fellow women working to achieve their higher self and looking at different avenues on how we might do that. Thank yeah. you. Oh, that was so beautiful. Oh. How good. You're going to take <laughs> all the podcast. That's the um, podcast done. And we, we jumped on with Michelle earlier in the week just to connect and have a chat. And I think, you know, we're recording right now, although you guys won't be able to see it. And I just smile the whole time we're talking to her because I just really relate so much to what she says. And like she said, mm. connecting with high achieving women and athletes and, you know, potentially all you girls that are listening that replicate exactly mm. what she said. Um, this will be a really good episode for you girls to really tune in on and I know Danny you've been working with Michelle on the side as well so that's a yeah, big reason mm. as to why we're all sitting here today yeah and the reason why I asked Michelle to come on because I was so excited to show you her to be honest Sherelle. <laughs> Sherelle. yeah and and the world because I've known Michelle for a few years now but I never actually really knew what you did and mm-hmm. along went the years and people are talking about mindset and then there are more hashtags and quotes and mm. everyone thinks they're a mindset coach right now. Oh, but then I really got to work with you and what you do and you mm. really know your shit and it's <laughs> impressive. So I'm excited to really delve into what you're about and your take on neuroscience, your take mm. on the brain, but more importantly, the steps that you give people to actually like change their lives. You're more than just Mm. a motivational hashtag reader. Like you actually give practical steps. So Mm -hmm. I'm really excited Mm. uh, for today. So Mm -hmm. can you tell us just briefly a little bit about what you actually do? Mm -hmm. That's a really great question, Danny. And, And it's interesting when you talk about mindset. Right? And those of us in the fitness industry or those of us who are trying to level up and, and just trying to reach and expand and really move towards triumph, it's really common, right? myself included. You know, yourself, Danny, yourself, Sherelle, we're just getting to know each other a little bit better. But I can almost guarantee that we have tried everything under the sun, right? Really asking the questions of, well, first of which, why am I doing what I'm doing? Right? Really getting a sense of these deeper motivations. What's driving us? What's important to us? What is the driver behind all of the processes, all of the discipline, all of the steps that we're taking to become better, whether or not that's in a platform of being an athlete or being career driven? Like I said, you know, we take the time and have taken the space to examine, well, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Right? A lot of women that 
I'm working with, a lot of women that we work with at the Sports Model Project or at AON with my other business partner, Brooke, who's amazing, by the way, beautiful woman. Mm. A lot of those women have been through a part of their journey where they've really established what is my why. And then there's a part in the journey where we have an understanding of what why is, right? Our emotional drivers. We have a really clear sense of how to attune to them and how to utilize them to keep us going. And a natural part of that trajectory is we start to ask, well, what next? Mm -hmm. What do we need to do to be able to create the path from A to Z? What's the process that we need to develop? Do we need to reach out to a coach? Do we have to move in the direction of academic education? Do we have to develop some sort of discipline and habit to take care of our system or to level up and get better at what we do? And we spend a lot of time, especially if we're a high achiever, developing a process of, well, what are the steps to do that? And at that point, when gals have been doing that for a little while, and they're at a place where they're ticking boxes and they're doing pretty well, there tends to be a natural evolution where some other questions come up. Right? I'm doing all the things. I'm doing all the stuff. I'm following all the processes. I'm pretty disciplined. Actually, I'm kind of badass. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing well, right? I've done a comp or I'm leveling up in a a particular way, but something just, it's, well, it's missing, right? I understand why I'm doing something. I understand what it takes and what I need to do to develop that process or move in the direction I want to go. But there's something, I don't know, there's something that's there. And often women come to us where they're at a place where they have developed the why, they've developed the what. But there's questions around, well, am I experiencing this in the way that I could or would like to? Am I experiencing what I'm doing in the best possible way? What would that even feel like? What would it look like? What would it sound like? How would my system experience that? And to answer your question, Danny, that is the kind of work we do. We draw on the idea of neuroscience and neuroscientific principles, but also develop curriculums and pathways for high achieving women that are starting to ask these questions of how do I experience things? Mm. We take them through a process where they start to understand, well, how is your system experiencing it? You're doing all this stuff, but, but how are you feeling in that? You're doing all this stuff. Could you experience that better? And that is the process we take them through at the Art of Noticing and in the Sports Model Project. So I want to check in with you two. How's that landing in terms of an explanation? Mm. Oh, preaching to the choir, you know, two self-proclaimed high achievers. (laughs) And it's interesting because I feel like a lot of the work out there is Mm. not addressing this Mm. because everyone's trying to be a high achiever. But okay, once you actually reach that and you're ticking things off, as you said, it's as if the emotions disappear. We become robotic almost. Mm. I definitely Mm -hmm. have noticed that Mm. within myself not Mm -hmm. feeling things as you mentioned Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i'm probably always going to relate a lot of our conversation back to training and and because that's the way i think but when i think about people in the gym i always think that there's two types there's the ones Mm. that need to kick up the ass and then there's the ones that need you know the hand the softer Mm. approach like do less Mm. don't do so much and i think Mm. like danny and i would always you know we're probably Mm. the type a who's going to overtrain always do more yeah um and that's what i sound like that's what i'm hearing coming Mm. from you is like you know a high achiever is not just a achieving a lot it's like a way that you think and perceive your success and Mm -hmm. uh, I sort of think about myself Mm -hmm. is like something I struggle to do is 
like recognize what you have done. And that's what I see Mm. with a lot of the girls that I work with that I would classify as high achievers is like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, instead of like writing a to-do list, I get them to write like Mm -hmm. a to-done list, you know, like what have you achieved for today and recognizing Mm -hmm. what you've done. Cause that's what I've found Mm -hmm. myself in that sort of state of like Mm. success. And that's something that I think is really forgotten Mm -hmm. when it comes to that high achieving mindset. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a really good sharing from both of you in terms of what it's like to be a high achiever. You know, so much respect for all of the things that both of you have achieved, right? I'm on this podcast right now because of this high achieving part in your systems that have been like, well, let's just get stuff out there, right? Let's celebrate the high achievers of the world. Let's just celebrate what people are doing to try and be better and get better and share conversations around that. I currently, right in this moment, am a beneficiary of these parts of your system that have been working so hard to be high achievers. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing that I want to acknowledge, that I'm so grateful for that. And the other thing that I want to acknowledge and what you both shared is there's a certain neural pathway that's developed or certain neural pathways rather that are developed as we start to create patterns of behavior. So in this case, with both of you, there's neuropath and myself as well, right? Neuropathways that are ingrained, right? What fires together, wires together. And that mm-hmm. connection becomes stronger. So in this case, the kick up the butt, right, so to speak, to use your language, is we <laughs> get in the gym, we do the stuff, we finish the stuff, right? <laughs> we yeah. get in the gym. I'm glad that landed, because you never know, right? <laughs> um, you get in the gym, you do the stuff, you tick the box off. Like there's a very, very specific process. And the more we do that, the stronger those neural pathways become. Mm. And what I'm hearing from both of you in this is that's so great. It's really important, but it's also not the neural pathways in the brain that allow us to either rest or relax or what you're saying, Sherelle, is attuned to, oh, well, what have I done? Right? One neural pathway or one set of neural pathways is responsible for a particular cascade of behaviors, thoughts, feelings, emotions, actions. Right, and those neural pathways do not do the other thing, which is the rest, which is the recognition, which is the settling. Right, and the stronger our nervous system gets in one way, the less adept our nervous system is in another. Right, but over time, and this is what you had shared, Danny, is sometimes we can feel like a bit of a robot. Right, where on the one hand, when we're focusing on why, there's a lot of emotion behind that. Right, it's a driver. That's a part of the brain called the limbic system, which is actually where our implicit memories are, where our meaning making is. That's what triggers our amygdala, which is either our fight or flight, or it allows our system to mobilize towards something or, or pull away from something. Right? The question of why and emotions are so important, so important to drive us, to create adrenaline, to create action. Right? But then at the same time, if we're developing a process that we're practicing again and again and again and again and again, sometimes we can feel like a bit of a robot, right? Because this neural pathway that is robotic tends to be the dominant one, right? So we go from the question of why, which might feel like emotional flooding sometimes, to developing a process which is very cognitive, right? That's what we call top-down, super cognitive approach, really direct, really clear, process-oriented, step-by-step, but to do that always, you had to see a smile from Sherelle there. You're like, yeah, that landed. <laughs> huh, yeah, that sounds like she me. me. <laughs> that sounds like me. But when we're doing that cognitive approach, although it can feel like it balances out emotional flooding of why sometimes, we can swing the other way where we go, whoa, I'm doing all this stuff. But 
why am I doing that again? Mm. And how am I actually experiencing all of this? Mm. Right? Maybe we haven't even asked that question. How are we experiencing our high achievement? Yeah. And what would you say the consequence of not knowing how you're experiencing these sorts of things be um, in the long term? And how does that look different from person to person? Mm-hmm. Excellent question. Okay. What would the consequences be? Well, I guess that depends on the system, right? And although there are particular patterns in everyone's nervous system, particularly in the brainstem, right? We've got fight, flight, freeze, submit, attach. Those are the five survival pathways. Everyone has them. They're never going away. They show up with particular thoughts, feelings, behaviors, action, relational rhythms, right? So although there's patterns that every that relates to everyone the question around consequences tend to be well which pattern is more dominant right and what does that pattern look like and how does that pattern show up mm-hmm. so we might answer this question Sherelle if it if you felt comfortable could I ask you some questions about how this shows up for you please do oh this would be good right? Lay it on her. I'm a little bit messed up. (laughs) Well, we're super super gentle here. We're super gentle here, right? And we're just collecting information. So I could talk about neuroscience all day, but for our listeners out there, experiential neuroscience, which is what we've developed here at AON, is, well, how does your system experience it? It's Mm. not about what I know out of a textbook. It's not about what we're discussing today. It's what are the tangible tools for us to learn that ourselves? So, Sherelle, your question around what are the consequences? Well, we'll get a sense of it, and then maybe we can consolidate after. Mm-hmm. But when we think of this high-achieving part, Sherelle, for you, what does that look like? Can you tell me just anything that comes up just straight away? Is it something you do? Is it related to a particular activity? We just start there. What does high-achieving mean to me? Sure. Is um, Productivity. Mm-hmm discipline and consistency like i'm just spitting out words that sort of come to me great perfect um, You're tracking well okay so productivity yep discipline, discipline consistency, consistency and just overall like putting the work in to get to the goals that you want to achieve um mm-hmm. in the good and the bad day mm-hmm. the good and the bad day is putting the work in okay so maybe we start with productivity And some of the work that we do, although not all of it, a big part of the work we do is really examining so closely what particular things mean to our system. There's so much stigma around particular words, right? Productivity. We assume everybody knows what productivity means and what it looks like. But it's so unique to your system, which is what our job is right here and now. So productivity, we're just going to slow right down. What's productivity to you? What do you notice? Is it something you do during the day? It's an action you take. We're just getting curious here. So for me, productivity is setting a task, like a list of tasks that I need to do um, that's specific with like a specific time and holding myself accountable to doing those tasks with breaks in between. So, you know, I can get lost between being busy versus being productive um, quite easily. And in myself, I just know that I get distracted easy and I I have a short attention span. So I need a break. Um, And for a long time I was very busy, but I wasn't getting a lot done. Um, So yeah, now like starting my own coaching business and 
having so much on my plate, productivity has been really important. And at the end of the day, the more productive that I am throughout the day, um, the more content I feel with the work that I've done. Uh huh. Okay. So if I'm getting this right, and it's really important that I understand this, Sherelle, so you need to pull me up if, I, if it doesn't quite land. Okay. So this idea of productivity for your system, as we're getting to know it, is making sure that there's an intent and a plan, right? Really clear steps, following through on those steps. Right? And then at the end of that, I hear that there's a sense of achievement, but then there's also an element in there somewhere that there's something different between busy and productivity. Right? Mm-hmm. Busy. Yeah. Can you tell me the difference between busy and productivity? We've got really clear idea what productivity is. What's your sense of busy? How does that show up for you? Being busy for me is really being distracted. So like if I'm, if I'm like, yeah, I'm really busy, I get flustered easily and then lost doing other things that aren't as important as the task that I'd set. So then if I get to the end of the day and I still haven't done some of the things that I wanted to do, I usually know it's because I've given my time to other areas. I've wasted time yeah. elsewhere and I haven't been, like I said, disciplined or consistent or with my structure, you know, Google Calendar, I am very structured when I can be. <laughs> Um, you know, and I just hate putting something on the list for the next day. It should have gotten done. So yeah, I just pull myself up on that. Okay, great. So we've got productivity where there's a lot of stuff going down, but there's a sequence to it. And then I hear that there's something about busy there where there's still a lot going on, but there isn't necessarily a structure or a sequence to it. Is that piece, did I get that piece right? Yeah. I don't really know what the busy piece is. It shouldn't yeah. be there. <laughs> well, we're actually, and we're just exploring that now, right? And you're doing so great tracking. We're going somewhere really important with this, right? We're examining the pieces. We've got productivity, mm-hmm. which is activation in the nervous system, right? Which is mobilization. Right? We've got adrenaline. We're doing things. We're planning. We're going through a sequence. And then we've got busy, which is, okay, I hear that there's a part that says it shouldn't be there. I don't know what's going on there. but I hear these elements of well there's activation there too and there's a lot happening but there's an absence of sequence and then there's an absence of feeling achievement have we got that right Sherelle yeah yeah okay okay so here's the question right and we might not know the answer to it yet but we're demonstrating what kind of work we do with the gals in our space as well as the gals at the sports model project we've got productivity and we've got busy And we know that they both have higher activation in the nervous system, right? There's a lot that's happening. One has a sequence and you feel achievement at the end. The other one feels a bit erratic and there isn't that same feeling of achievement at the end. Okay. So how do you know? How do you know the difference between busy and productivity when you're in the middle of things? You said sometimes you catch yourself at the end of the day. But how might you notice it in the middle of the day or when it's happening? If I'm trying to do too many things at once, I'm not a good uh-huh. multitasker when it comes to uh-huh. actually giving 100% to something. I, I know that I can't focus on more than one person or task or thing. I just need to give my attention to something and then do it and okay. then move on to the next thing. Great. Okay. So noticing that busy sometimes feels like diverting your energy and focus to a whole bunch of things. And you know that that's hard for your system. Okay. 
when that's happening, when your focus is diverted to a whole bunch of different things, what happens? What do you notice? I get nothing done well. Uh-huh. Like nothing gets uh-huh. done well. Everything gets uh-huh. done half-assed. Yeah, and I can even hear that in your voice. Right? I can hear the I'm angry about it. I'm, scared. Yeah. <laughs> I'm slowly moving away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is why when I train, my phone's away. Like, uh-huh. you know, my friends love you all, clients, yes, but, mm-hmm. you know, my focus needs to be where it is. And the same as, like, mm-hmm. I know that when I'm with my partner, like, I can't get distracted by my phone if I'm trying to talk to Luke. He'll laugh at this because I do. <laughs> but, yeah, I just know that half my energy, if I'm going to put 50% in, then, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I'm going to get mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the question was, well, how do you notice when you're, when you're experiencing this busy, right, when there's a lot happening but maybe there isn't a sequence to it? And it sounds like your system's doing an amazing job to go, well, I notice there isn't the outcome that I want. Right? And then in that moment, Sherelle, as we were staying with that, your system went, I don't like that. Like, that's not okay. It shouldn't be there. Right? And even there's a little sense there, maybe some judgment in there, or maybe some, like, those are the rules. And this is a really interesting sequence. You're doing great. Right? This is not just you. This is every high achiever I have ever talked to in my life particularly the high achieving parts of our systems, my system included. So you're doing great. Okay. So this piece of noticing that the outcome isn't there, but then there's something your nervous system does. It's really interesting, which is I don't, something's happening in the busy. I notice there isn't the outcome I want. And then even just here and now, right? The nervous system is amazing. Even as we're talking about it now, the nervous system goes, I don't like that. It's not okay. It should be different. I do not want to put something on my list tomorrow, right? And there's a there's a harder energy. Right? Is that feeling accurate to say as we're tracking that? Oh yeah, I can't, I'm not very good yeah. at hiding what I think. <laughs> even it's interesting because even I, like, not even joking, even I can feel the energy because we're sitting, you know, in the same room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And and Danny, what a what a great pickup, right? That's something we call mirror mm. neurons, right? We communicate through the neurons in our body right i can feel it we can track it you can feel it Mm. right so the original question before we went down this little yeah spot on right it's it's pretty cool thing to listen with your body and to tune into what's happening in your body and we're receptive to each other but your original question Sherelle, was well what are the consequences of a neural pathway that's so heavily developed that the other pathways might not be as well developed Right? And we just saw a really interesting sequence, which Danny's experienced, I've experienced, most of our listeners here today have experienced it, which is, well, there's productivity and it looks this way. And then there's an experience of busy and it looks this way. But even as we attune to this, the nervous system has higher activation and goes, oh, I feel a little upset about this. And yet all we did was just think of it. We just thought of it, Jarrell. Danny felt it. I felt it. Your system felt it. So, right, and this is sorry go ahead so I was about to say so mm-hmm. everyone experiences this discomfort when you trend towards doing something mm-hmm. yeah like so that's I guess what I was asking was the consequence so maybe perhaps that is a desired feeling that I want I want to feel uncomfortable when I'm being busy and not productive I don't know 
how I sort of pick up on the difference? Is that an acquired thing or do you learn that? And can that be used in a different way that perhaps isn't positive? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question. So what we demonstrated there, right, and a big part of our work in AON or at the Sports Motor Project is one, to experience it first, right, experiential neuroscience, but then we take the time to go, what just happened? Right? What did Sherelle and I just do? What did Danny experience as we were doing that? Mm-hmm. We had productivity, which is a certain level of activation in the nervous system. And then we started talking about busy. And it was a little bit higher, right? Activation went up. Whether or not we feel that in our body, whether or not that was how quickly you were speaking, whether or not that's you know, any kind of emotion, like a little bit of agitation. And then as we thought of that, nervous system went up another notch. Like, it shouldn't happen that way. I don't want that to happen. I don't want to put that on my list. And we're seeing how the nervous system escalates. Right? And this is not necessarily a bad thing. It's so important that our nervous system can do this. However, in the absence of being able to examine and get to know these little triggers that bring activation up, right? High achieving neural pathway, which we can call it for this space, that's higher activation. Each one amplifies. Right? And what do we know about the nervous system? It can't keep going up. Right? It can't go up forever. And there's these amazing mechanisms built into our nervous system to help shut it off if we aren't able to regulate it and bring it down. Mm. Okay? So the consequences, so to speak, and even that, I mean, that's a heavy word. Right? It, it wouldn't be a word that I'd use. But for the, the nature of this conversation, we can say one of the consequences of a neuropathway that knows how to do one thing and one thing well is that activation goes one way and it goes up and up and up and up, right? And either that means that our nervous system is redlining and the part of our brain that's quite mindful and conscious switches off, right? When you talk about busy and being feeling kind of frantic, I go, well, your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that allows you to orient to something really clearly and move slowly, sounds like that's flickered offline. That's what happens when our activation is higher. But then if it goes so high, we're doing this day in and day out, right? or we're doing multiple competitions back to back, or we're working around the clock and really trying to hit goals, our activation keeps going higher and higher and higher. We lose our ability to be as mindful as we could or as productive as we could. By no fault of our own, it actually shuts that part of the brain offline. And if it keeps going higher, then our nervous system just shuts down, right? And we have what's called a collapse response, which is extreme lethargy, or we might not be able to peel ourselves up off the couch, or we might be experiencing things like guilt or shame, which is connected to that. And we see these kinds of cycles in high achievers quite a bit. It's not because they're thinking anything wrong. It's not because they need to reframe what they think. It's actually because the nervous system has been redlining for so long, it just shuts off. So I want to check in with you ladies. And this is, this is a really interesting conversation around mm-hmm. high achieving and what's happening in other elements of high achievement, right? We might be redlining through the week, ticking all boxes, but I know I know this through a neuroscience perspective, from a personal perspective, from the teams and the gals that I have worked with and developed these kinds of programs with. If you are a high achiever and you have activation that's very high, there is a collapse that's showing up somewhere, right? And it might be on a Saturday where you go, I literally cannot handle 
going to social occasions. Like that's it. I'm not leaving the house. Or it might be after a number of weeks where you just go, I just lost all my motivation. What the hell is wrong with me? Like, where did I go? Mm. Right. And what's really interesting about the work we do is we kind of take away the stigma that there's something wrong with the nervous system that's experiencing this, but it's actually a natural and very, very important mechanism to high levels of adrenaline and activation that we might be getting as a high achiever. So let's check in, ladies. Is this all feeling like it's clear? I'm always mindful of how deep we go into neuroscience and want it to feel relevant. Yeah, no, that's definitely um, ringing a bell. And I think, you know, with so much awareness around mental health these days and, Mm. you know, the ongoing and the increasing rates of things like anxiety and postnatal depression and and, uh, Mm. normal depression, you know, I think this resonates a lot with um, myself and a lot of other people that perhaps this collapsed state does show up very differently um, Mm. in everyone. And, you know, it's Mm. not about being diagnosed with something or going through a really traumatic event. And like Mm. you said, normalizing this process, I think is Mm. really important because of the stigma that does exist. Um, But yeah, that's, that's, that was just my thoughts. Sorry, Danny. No, that's brilliant. (laughs) So, just to sort of bring it back to that um, example that we use with Sherelle when she's so busy yeah. and then she can't get anything done. Is that a smaller version of the collapse? Yeah, that's what I was thinking that. <laughs> uh, great question. Great question. And, and we get so detailed with this work, right? Everybody's nervous system is different. However, there are particular patterns that show up. So for instance, when we look at the brainstem, right? Oh, I'm noticing, I'm just getting so excited. Just tracking my own system here. So when we look at the brainstem, it's broken up into five different survival pathways, fight, flight, freeze, submit, attach. Most, most people have heard of fight or flight. Some people have heard of freeze. Most people have not heard of submit, attach or collapse, attach. I interchange those words. They're the same thing. Okay, really important that our brainstem has those five survival pathways. They are developed and we are practicing them when we're very little, right? But as we grow older, particular survival pathways will become more developed because that is what allows us to experience connection and love and safety. Mm. So whichever survival pathway was the safest for our system, i.e. safety and connection, that is the one that's going to become more dominant over time. Okay. So if, for instance, working very hard, mobilizing, taking action, planning, making sure that you're doing all the things, if that was the safest thing for your system when you were little or over your teenage years or even your young adulthood, that's what's going to keep showing up now, which means when your stress is higher, that's what's going to show up again and again and again. Right. Yeah. The issue. Totally, like a default, right? And it's really important that it does. And that's something to name, that our system is always doing what it needs to to stay safe and stay regulated. Where we run into trouble is that if our system is just defaulting to the same thing over and over and over again, and that happens to be higher activation than adrenaline, that can amplify, which causes the system to go, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. And that's when things like burnout, collapse, or submit are going to show up. So when we start to organize and map out different survival pathways in the brainstem, each survival pathway has a particular list of traits, 
right? Particular set of thoughts, feelings, emotions, patterns, behaviors, relational rhythms. So for instance, I might contend that as a high achiever or high achievers, we have a really strong fight response in our nervous system, Mm -hmm. right? Which is, and even Danny smiled there. She's like, yep. (laughs) Except the the thing, yeah. And the thing with a fight response, right? We might have an idea of what we think it is, but it shows up in a particular way on a scale. So a fight response in a nervous system that's feeling safe and regulated might show up as planning, as strategy, as process, as stepping mindfully through the steps of that process, much like what you were saying, Sherelle, right? Much what, 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 pardon me, what you were saying about, well, this is when I feel my best, right? High achieving part. And then there's a scale to it. When the stress is amped up, wherever that stress is from, right? It might be physiological, it might be internal, it might be your gut, it might be your environment, it might be relational, it might be fatigue, right? Any kind of stimuli, if that fight response is amplified, then it goes, I have to do more, except I'm starting to feel really busy and not so focused on my process. I'm just trying to get shit done, right? And there's, there's a franticness about it. Right? And yeah. then when we go up even more, yeah, that's landing, okay? Yeah, for me too, for Danny mm, too. Absolutely. For most of the high achievers, yeah, where we go, ooh, I felt that. Okay. I get that sense of urgency, like I need that oh. action. And Luke always is just like, bring it back, bring it back, and then I have to like write down my priority list. <laughs> yeah. I, get a, it, man. I get erratic. I get uh-huh. like erratic of ideas. And I think a lot of people, yeah. when you're passionate mm. about something, you do, you, you have an idea and then you're like, then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. And then it's like a fruit salad thought, right? But why does it have to be urgent? Cause I'm the same. Why does it have to be done right now? Cause you just get that beautiful urge. question. Yeah. Beautiful question. It's annoying so but got... amazing at the same time. Cause it's like, if I took my time, I'll well, do it better. But you want to do it you now. Want it right now. Sure. And this, well, this piece is integral to the work, right? So we've got an integrated fight response, which is mindful, process, strategy, can mobilize, can take action, right? Adrenaline goes up. And then we have a a, a fight part, same pathway with higher adrenaline that is feeling a bit frantic. There's more speed to it, right? The brain stem is so fast. It's way faster than conscious thought. Yep, how fast you talk. Maybe it's physiological like your heart rate. You might have color in your cheeks. You might notice a whole bunch of things, which is the work we do in AON is to help us track and navigate what's happening with us physiologically, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you amplify it even more, there's something that happens with the prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that allows us to be aware, but flickers off. It actually goes offline. Right? And what do we experience there? Ruminating thoughts, rigidity, compulsiveness, right? We might have trouble um, with eye contact or relationally having rhythm. <laughs> she just looked down. No, because <laughs> I, I just, I just had a thought. I've got to tell you after this. Keep yeah, see, because yeah. she's paying attention because she's doing all the things that you're listing. Yeah. So there's a scale to it, right? And here's the thing: if if any of this is resonating with anybody listening, well, of course it is, because this is how the nervous system works. This yeah. is how it shows up. And it's so important to be utilizing this work and having these conversations because up until this point, most of us might have thought, God, I just like have these thoughts that just like go over my head and why do I work so fast? And like, why does it have to be so like, why does it have to be now? Like what's wrong with me? But that's actually just activation in the nervous system. 
so what do we know? It's not about fixing the thoughts. It's not about slowing the nervous system down actively. It's not about doing more things or creating more structure. What it becomes is getting that prefrontal cortex back online because when that part of the brain is online, that part of the brain is responsible for regulating the nervous system, bringing activation down, right? Heart palpitations start to settle, thinking starts to come back and then it slows down. We start to be able to focus on things like you were saying, Jarell, right? Just bring it back a little bit. Okay, what are my steps? When you say, bring it back a little, and then I start writing down my steps, I go, your prefrontal cortex came back online. We went from frantic and busy and kind of erratic to, okay. There you go. I'm doing some what are my steps? right. <laughs> You're doing it right. You're doing it right. In fact, our nervous system is doing it all the time. And it does it on our behalf all the time, which is amazing. I'm so grateful for my own nervous system. I'm so grateful for yours because it's doing this for us all the time until the day we die. The thing is, is it doesn't have to be so hard and we can actually make this conscious practice. We understand our neural pathways. If we're able to track what's happening in our nervous system before it escalates to a point where our prefrontal cortex goes offline, we are better equipped to help bring it down a notch or notice and work with our system instead of our system having to do all of the grunt work for us and us in hindsight go, holy shit, what just happened? Like, why am I like that? (laughs) So I want to check in. How's that landing? You're looking so curious there, Sherelle. This is the first time you've done something like this because I've known Sherelle for a while. I mean, um, Michelle and Sherelle. So I'm proud of you, Sherelle, for being a bit vulnerable and confused. This is what it's about. Yeah, it's it's all very new to me. And sometimes, you know, I always say I'm like, sometimes the things I do, I just do them. I don't really think about the Totally. Like it just defaults because it's what makes me feel good. Yeah, things you know, you just like you feel like yeah. you need a journal. So I just journal. journaling, meditation, deep Great. breathing, all ways to sort yeah. of bring the nervous system, yeah, or the prefrontal cortex back on. Right? Is that why it yeah. works? What's What's so phenomenal is all of these habits or all of these rituals that we've brought into our life. They all share the same characteristic. Whether or not you're doing journaling, if you're doing breathing, if you're doing walking outside, if you're listening to a podcast, listening to music, if you're talking to a friend, doing yoga, it doesn't matter what it is. They all share the same quality that it brings your prefrontal cortex back online. It's actually not the thing you're doing. It's how your system is experiencing the thing you're doing. which is so empowering to understand because sometimes if we don't have that knowledge base, we don't understand that concept or we haven't had an opportunity to practice the tools and resources that allow us to tap into this kind of work or this kind of wisdom and knowledge of our body. We think that if we don't journal, then my system's going to do X, Y, and Z. If I don't go on my walk today, right? There's that rigidity. Yeah. There's that fight response. But the thing is this, right? If, we can experience our rituals, experience our habits in a way that allow us to understand the impact of the prefrontal cortex, right? Like how is my system experiencing journaling? What do I notice in my system? My heart rate's lower. Mm. I notice I feel my feet on the floor. I notice I, well, I speak differently. I notice I'm really calm and attentive and kind of tuned to things after. Well, that is an experience of regulation in the nervous system because whatever you're doing is switching that part of the brain online, which is so cool because you can do that with practice, with the right tools and the right knowledge. You can do that sitting in the middle of a, you know, a bar when everybody's yelling. Mm. 
right? You can do it anywhere, right? And yeah. we might have preferences on which things we want to practice while experiencing that. Yeah. But then we're allowed, we're able then to take it wherever we go. Maybe it's on stage. Maybe it's in work. Maybe it's on a podcast. It doesn't matter. That comes with us because it is an integral part of our own system, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't leave us. Mm. And I guess that's like, you know, we always talk about self-care and when I think everyone starts out with self-care, we always, you know, we get to the end of the day and you go, okay, 10 minutes now, self-care. You know, we sit down and we journal for 10 minutes and we go, that's that piece done when we've spent, you know, the remaining of all the rest of the day in this sympathetic heightened state. And we think this one little bit of self-care is going to dampen the response of the whole day at this high arousal. (laughs) And I think, you know, that's what I used to do. I'd be like, okay, five minutes of headspace. I'm good. Um, (laughs) It's funny when you think about it now, but the the real benefits, (laughs) the real benefits come from when you do a lot of different things and how it bleeds over into the rest of your life. So like everyone knows how big I am on sleep and like how much Mm. we both religiously practice, like, you know, mindfulness and journaling and just like tuning in with ourselves. And now it's almost like throughout the day, you just take those few minutes and you're like, Oh God, I'm breathing a bit shallow. Like you need to take some deeper Mm. breaths and that's a bit of self care Mm. right there. And then it's sort of like, Mm. I need to go and get some sunlight. You know, you just, Mm -hmm. you auto regulate these things that you Mm. need as you need them rather than having to schedule the 10 minutes at the end of the day because that's like you said it's not the thing you're doing it's how it bleeds into your everyday life to dampen Mm -hmm. that response Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um sorry michelle also as you mentioned um i can definitely relate to when tasks such as journaling i wasn't getting a benefit from it anymore Mm -hmm. because i wasn't i'm like okay i journal now the thing makes me feel better Well, no, as you said, it's actually how you notice your system responding to the thing. So Mm -hmm. then I actually don't journal or meditate or do any of my tools at this Mm. point in time Mm. um, just because of the change in my nervous system from constantly Mm. being heightened due to everything that's happened um, with coronavirus. A lot of things Mm. are slowing down. Mm. My nervous system, as we mentioned earlier, went into collapse. And uh-huh. I would not have learned any of this if it wasn't for mm. you. And we actually spoke about this on uh, last week's episode where mm. yeah, I just uh-huh. felt like shit, not knowing why, spoke mm. to Michelle and you were able to help me notice. Mm-hmm. And from that conversation, literally as soon as I closed the laptop after our Zoom call, everything changed. Uh-huh. So thank you for that. You're very thank welcome. You. <laughs> You're very um, welcome. And I really hear in your voice, Danny, how important that was. Yeah, because it just was the confusing. normalization of it super confusing. Does mm. it feel okay to share? Because we've, you know, we've shared some of Sherelle's experience, but I'm wondering if just a few little things. When you say your system went into collapse, yeah, was it an energy thing? What did, was it a thought? That, what did you notice? Right, just for our, our listeners to see if there's something they can relate to. Absolutely. Um, so I was very tired. I had a lot of negative Mm self-talk. I became shy and couldn't make eye contact. Ah, good tracking. Uh, And just really was not motivated to do anything, Uh like anything at all. Mm -hmm. It was the complete opposite to the state that I feel like I've just been in for eight, like a year, years. It was Mm -hmm. like I felt depressed. Mm. For the first time ever. It was, mm-hmm. yeah, 
-hmm. Well, the first thing I want to acknowledge, Jenny, is that's a really big thing to go through, especially if your nervous system is used to operating and Mm. redlining, right? And that feels super normal, right? It Mm. feels so safe for the nervous system. And one of the hard things when we're speaking to high achievers, well, for anyone's nervous system, but when we're speaking to high achievers is our system feels safer when it's redlined. Yeah. Right? Not necessarily safe, right? It's not necessarily sustainable, but it feels safer. So the conversation around maybe we've had partners, maybe we've had friends or teachers or parents that have said, why don't you just slow down? Mm. Why do you have to do so much? Mm. Right? And the answer lies in your nervous system by saying, well, that's actually safer than not doing anything. That's actually yeah. safer than a collapse. A fight response, a heightened response, heightened rather, fight response feels safer for the nervous system, so it's always going to default. Yeah. But it can't do that forever. So the first thing, and this is my acknowledgement to you, Danny, is if your nervous system is attuned to and has a default of redlining, like mine has in the past, still does, right? I still have to track. Mm. Right? I'm always doing the work. Right? And Sherelle as well, and the gals that are listening, it's a super hard thing to experience collapse. Right? Even mild levels of collapse. Right? It can feel really confusing. Like, is this mm. even me? Yeah. Like, what's, where did I go? Like, what happened? Like, right, I'm not thinking the same. Body doesn't feel the same. Like, I've really wrapped my identity in the fact that I follow a process and I'm taking the boxes. Mm. And what's so powerful about this work as we go, that's just what we call hypoarousal, right? We've got hyperarousal, which is your fight, flight, freeze, right? Sometimes attach in there too. But then hypoarousal is the nervous system. It's like a breaker switch, mm. right? When the power goes out in the house, except our nervous system is so highly focused on, well, this is my identity. This fight part is my identity. Yeah. That when we experience something like that, really scary, right? Really difficult, super hard to talk about as well really hard to talk about so how you track that is so brilliant and that indicates to me that you're absolutely spot on right and this is what we learn in aon this is what we track in the sports model project right we learn what's happening in our nervous system as opposed to oh i shouldn't be this and i shouldn't be that and you need to fix this we go well, what's actually happening how are you experiencing this at the moment mm, yeah. right? when you say eye contact was really hard eyes going down there are certain nerves, like the vagal nerve in your central nervous system that attach behind the eyes, right? And that impacts how we make eye contact, mm. right? There's a part of the brain called the social engagement system. And when we can't make eye contact, it means that that's offline. So I go, there's something happening with activation in the prefrontal cortex there. Lethargy, right? Less ability to think clearly, feeling really, really tired. Shame or guilt are attached to that as well. Mm. Right. And a lot of the time we think, are these just erratic experiences and there's something wrong with me? I go, no, that's a full collapse response. Yeah. Right. But to know that a normalization where we go, this is a part of your system. It's really important. This kicked in can be so helpful as the pathway to go. Well, how do we resolve this? How might we upregulate? So my question to you, Danny, is. Well, what happened after that? Once we had that conversation, we explored it, we got a sense of, okay, this is where your system's at. What happened next? 
If I'm to be honest, I just started crying. It was like a big emotional release. And anyone who knows me knows that I never freaking cry because that's all part of my, I call it, I'm talking about before, the suit of armor that I wear when I need to be a leader, tough, you know, just do it on my own. That's that. But I'm learning now to take it off, you know, to be vulnerable. Um, So anyway, I just had to cry, get it out of my system. And it felt good after. And then I sort of realized, well, shit, maybe I'm not alone in this because there were how many, 30 girls on that call, give or take, um, and I could relate to something again, was able to be a bit more present and, and then sort of just listen to my feelings and say, all right, throw away the to-do list and everything that you were defaulting to because that just made me feel worse. And then, as I've mentioned, I started my day with dancing and music and calling my mates and just mm-hmm. up-regulating, as, mm-hmm. as what you mentioned, because I hadn't heard that before. So you mm-hmm. talking about up-regulation was the game-changer because then I was mm-hmm. able to put in things that did up-regulate me. Mm-hmm. Feel- well, you've actually done something so amazing in that. I can always tell because I get excitement just right here at the top of my chest. I get a little tingle. I'm like, oh, that's so well. It's one thing. thing. And, and we haven't, and we have, yeah, I know, right? And we haven't talked about this before, Danny. We haven't talked about it in the sports model project as of yet, but this idea of the social engagement system, right? And, and we, we notice it in, in what's happening in our voice, what's happening in our eye contact, what's happening in our autonomic nervous system, the color in our face. Uh, what's happening in our posture you know we learn to track these things in our own body that's how i've been trained to track it as well so we can get a glimpse of what's happening in the nervous system instead of just what we're thinking about it mm-hmm. but what you've done that's so amazing there you know your system experienced a bit of collapse as all of our systems have and will continue to over the course of a lifetime particularly if we aren't necessarily doing this work but you've done something so amazing there because social engagement right, is the single best way to create safety in the nervous system. And by safety, we mean switch the prefrontal cortex back online to help the nervous system stay more regulated in activation. And what did you do? You hopped on a call. There was normalization. You were even just our ability to hear people's voices right now listening Mm -hmm. to this podcast. Right, it goes in ear into the limbic system. It triggers the social engagement system, which helps our nervous system regulate better. Right, not for everyone's system, but for a system that's attuned to that and a system that feels safe in that. That's an amazing tool. And then I hear you've been doing some upregulating, but you said I'm getting on the phone, calling my mates. I'm listening to music. Music is a way to access the social engagement system as well. Right, vibration through the ear. Right, switching the prefrontal cortex back online. All of a sudden, we go, okay, like that was a lot. I'm still trying to sort it out and process, but my system feels a little bit better now. There's something shifted, something shifted. The genius of and wisdom of our body to attune to things that feel safe, it never ceases to amaze me, right? The normalization, the being in a space where we can understand what's happening in our nervous system to feel seen, right? To switch the prefrontal cortex back online through social engagement. And although we're always processing things, even now, and see so your shoulders are relaxed, right? you've got a nice smile on your face, Sherelle as well. Yeah, nervous systems just come on down. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, I'm Actually, really, I'm yeah, really what the hell? I feel way more zen. 
Uh-huh. Interesting. So is there what? a way, like, I guess. How did she do that? How did she do that? How did she know? How did she know <laughs> that? Wizard. Is there a way that, you know, I guess you could share with the audience a quick body scan or like perhaps a way that you process this um, art of noticing for everyone. I mean, like I know when my chest feels tight or when I'm breathing shallow or, you know, when my heart rate's up or when I do feel anxious or busy versus productive, but how can you that little bit of um, guidance for someone who perhaps isn't very aware of their physiology and what's happening? Sure. Great question. Great question. Okay. They're all great questions. But a, a, great. a really, a really, thank you. <laughs> you No, you're great. No, no, you're great. no you hang up first. <laughs> Don't hang up. <laughs> so where's a good start point? Right. This is, you know, the art of noticing what we do in Sports Wonder Project is more advanced because what we're doing is really developing and mapping out the sophistication of our nervous system. And by doing so internally, right, over the course of a number of months, we get a sense of, well, how does my system operate? And then we start to take it out into the world, right? Now I kind of understand how mine does, getting a sense of how others do. Well, how do we just kind of reframe and be curious and work this out? So that tends to be a little bit more sophisticated, right? You cannot do that on your own, right? The level of tracking that we do in our nervous system and remapping cannot be done unless you're in social engagement, right? It's not that people can't do, and I'm, I'm almost guessing that there was a part in Danny or a part in Sherelle that was like, yeah, I'll do it on my own. <laughs> I was like, oh, I reckon I could do it on my own. Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally oh, do it on my own. She nailed it. She yeah. was like, I'll show you. you can't, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah, I just saw, I just saw. Yeah, yeah, just saw yeah, the eyes. LFTs. You know, and in all fairness, you know, that's my training, right? Is to just track nervous systems and, and to notice what's in mind. So, um, and I've been doing this for a few years now, right? So, so it's not to say that we can't do these practices individually, yeah. but when we're speaking to creating new neurons, right? New neurons that are not default. Mm-hmm. It has to happen in relationship for a very, very important reason. Those neurons were developed in relationship to begin with, right? How we interacted with our caregivers, how we interacted with the people around us between zero and five, that's how neurons develop, which means if we're looking at remapping neurons, not just practicing things, right? We're trying to shift how the nervous system defaults or operates or how flexible it is or how mindful we are in remapping, it has to happen in relationship as well. That's how it began in the first place. That's how we remap on the back end. So that's not to say that you can't practice these things on your own, but if we're really looking to concentrate the remapping, it has to happen in relationship. So there's that part, but a very, very good start point, right? And what we do in the sports model project is we start off with mindfulness-based practice because mindfulness is accessing the prefrontal cortex, right? Mm -hmm. We need to be able to switch the prefrontal cortex online before we do anything, right? We can't learn new things. We can't remap and rewire our nervous system unless the prefrontal cortex is online. So a very, very, very good start point is any kind of mindfulness practice that you can do, whether or not it's mindful eating, mindful journaling, mindful training, mindful relational rhythms, right? Because you're switching that part of the brain online. 
Mm. And that's a really good way of putting it because I think mindfulness is so butchered now. I'm being mindful. I'm being mindful. What is it? It's actually activating that brain and being really present in what you are currently doing. Like you said, whether it's sitting there at the table, eating, chewing your food, writing or coloring in a book or just being invested in this one task. And that's what I was talking about with the multitasking. Like it's so overrated, but you know, in a lot of professions, um, myself included as a nurse and a midwife, we're taught at uni to multitask. We're Uh taught that we need to do all these different things at once to be productive. So that was my default is like, okay, well, when I'm dealing with people and clients and business, I need to do all these things at the same Mm. time because that was Mm. the way that I was educated in contemporary at uni like Mm -hmm. but that's not the case like you said when it comes to social interactions you need to be invested cognitively Mm. yes yep so a really good start point Sherelle is mindfulness right and and as you say there's a perception around what mindful could be or what it might be or the practice the practice you know might how it might be showing up in your life, but ultimately we want to be able to switch that part of the brain online. If that part of the brain is online, your nervous system can autonomically regulate itself. Mm-hmm. Right? So that is the precursor. That's why we put it as the precursor in the sports model project, because we have some practice in that. What we do at AON and what we do in the advanced course in sports model project for principle-based living, which is what we work with the gals on, based on the S&P grade and how they live out their lives. So exciting. I love it. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> we, we don't just notice, but we do a practice called tracking, right, which is appealing to every high achiever out there. Because they're like, I'm tracking my macros. I'm tracking my... Oh, weight. this... Tracking. Yeah, yeah. Shiraz a queen of freaking tracking. I got extra, right? Excel spreadsheets she and every tracks everything. System. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and I, you and I might have something in common there, Cheryl. I'll share a Google it. Drive. Oh, there we go. That's it. You know, the first time I ever did this work because I've been a client, but now I'm a facilitator and and pursued the road of education because I loved it so much. The first time I ever did this work, I put the information of the different parts of my nervous system in an Excel spreadsheet and sent it to my mentor. And he was Mm. like, "Uh, no one has ever done this before. And I was like, well, you haven't met me before. (laughs) Challenge accepted. I was like, yeah, I am the tracking queen. So I pass. He's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now she's teaching. Now Michelle's teaching. Mm. Yeah. it's, It's super nuanced stuff. So the idea of noticing is mindfulness right? Prefrontal cortex. What we do in this work, experiential neuroscience, is we track it. So we notice one thing, that's what we call a trailhead. And then we see where it goes, right? Where does it show up in our nervous system? As we stay with that, it might go from the chest, the shoulders, we might notice something with the eyes, maybe something changes with our posture or our voice. We might notice a thought or an image, Right? And there's a little pathway that shows up in our nervous system that gives us huge amounts of information about what our body needs, right? what relationally we need, what kind of strategies might be best. Right? Our nervous system tells us what is going to be the most helpful thing. So to answer your question really clearly, mindfulness, whatever the modality of mindfulness is, is an amazing place to start because it switches your prefrontal cortex online. The work we do is drawing on the practice of mindfulness where we start to track and map and rewire the nervous system through mindfulness practice in a particular sequence. Does that answer your question there, Shrill? 
Yeah, like, yeah, it definitely does. I think the way, like, I used to think that, yeah, like those practices, I had to do these certain things, but now I know it, like you said, it's not the practices, it's whatever the hell you want to do that can allow you to be present in what you're doing. And sometimes, like, for me, reading is a big one, and I know when I'm Mm. not, um, I I can really track, because when I'm reading a book, sometimes Mm. I'll be thinking about something else. It's so funny. I'll be reading a page, and I'm like, I remember nothing of what I've read. And that's how I know that my... I'm just not there in that book. Um, so that's a really good way that I'm sort of um, aware. Have you ever done that, Danny? You sort of read something and you're like... I was doing it last want. night. Yeah, I was <laughs> doing it last and night. I, there you go. I was like, there you go. I, I, was, I was reading... What was I reading? Thinking fast exactly. and thinking slow. <laughs> thinking fast and thinking slow, right? And, and oh, Isn't that ironic? Read a, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? And I, I got to the end of the paragraph and at the end I was like, this is the most interesting book ever. Oh, oh no, that's the book that's in my head. That's not the book yes. I'm reading right now. Yes. So that's where I'm like, <laughs> how, is it, how is it possible to have so many thoughts that you actually can't even be present in when you're reading something? That just yeah. goes to show how strong, you know, mm-hmm. the, the mind is um, yeah. and how much, you know, because I, I read to wind down. But the more I'm like, okay, mm. forget that. Keep reading. Keep reading. The more you do it and, mm-hmm. like I said, become disciplined mm-hmm. in that book, mm-hmm. um, the easier it is. Just catch mm-hmm. yourself out. Mm-hmm. But I can, mm-hmm. I can sense a sort of aggressiveness in your reading sessions though (laughs) like be disciplined in reading get through this I'll read you Uh, that aggression again it's like I'm going to prove the brain wrong (laughs) I'll prove you wrong brain you think about this thing now am I I think I'm aggressive with everything that I do though look let's get I learned that literally (laughs) what is that right what is that that's a fight response in the brainstem that's been so so necessary right we don't have to we don't, yeah, we don't and, and heat is another form yeah. of fight response in the nervous system, right? There's never yeah. coincidence to it. We don't even have to know your story, Sherelle, to know that that is how your nervous system has had to be, right? And that's so important to acknowledge mm. that your nervous system has had to do that, right? Throughout all trials and tribulations, there is a reason your nervous system is hardwired that way. And what's so interesting about this work is we're never trying to change it. In fact, if the nervous system has a resource like that, that it's had to develop, we don't want to mess with that. We don't want to change it. We never, ever want to say that that's wrong or it shouldn't be or that there's something incorrect about that because it's 100% correct. You have 100% survival rate, Sherelle. To get to this point, Danny does, I do, our nervous systems have a 100% success rate. So no one can ever say that your nervous system is doing something wrong. What we can do is start to open up some awareness and create some questions around, well, is there a better way to experience it? Mm. Not a better way to do it, right? Because the nervous system is brilliant. It's doing it anyway, right? Before we had this conversation, it was just doing it. You're just getting shit done all the time. Mm. But the question becomes, does the nervous system have to work so hard? It had to up until this point. But is there a way that it could experience something maybe more gentler way? Or maybe it could stay a little more focused for a little bit longer. Or maybe not feel so erratic when busy is being experienced. By getting really curious about what can we do? And the answer is, when the prefrontal cortex is online, well, of course it can. Of course it can experience things better. 
So we work our way back and we go, how do we get the prefrontal cortex online? And then when the prefrontal cortex is online in this work, we start to go, how do we play with these you know, neurons? How do we remap these neurons? Just be really mindful. Right? So it's less of a reflex and more of a mindful choice. Yeah, how's all that? Yeah, that was like the recap. That's how the activation energy was going. We got computers <laughs> and phones flying everywhere, but that's it. That's a, it's really cool. Like, obviously, we've been talking over an hour, and we can. It almost feels like we're just at the tip of the iceberg of this. But um, as totally. we previously mentioned, you know, we want to give our listeners yeah. a little bit of science, but then also some practical steps to go home now, well, they're probably already home listening to this, to really uh, become present and mindful mm. of what we spoke about mm-hmm. and what you took both Sherelle and I through, and thank mm-hmm. you for that, You're to welcome. then now start to notice what's showing up for them. And mm-hmm. we would also love to present them with the opportunity to come back with some questions. And if you're yes. still okay with it, Michelle, to then dig deeper into some of the questions that were presented in the second uh, episode. Yep. I think that's excellent, right? And it's really honoring the two facets of how this work works. One is starting with mindfulness, right? Which we can do on our own. We can do that together or we can do that on our own. And then the next is, well, what we find and what we notice, how do we make sense of that together? Mm-hmm. So in honoring that work, I would be absolutely thrilled and super excited to hop on another podcast, but really tangibly take some of the questions, some of the things that our listeners have noticed on their own and start to make sense of what, what's actually happening in your nervous system yeah. there and how do we map it and how do we make sense of it? So that'd be great. Cool. Amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I suppose, uh, any other questions to Michelle, Sherelle, Danielle? <laughs> wow. That's all it is. Um, um, I do have a question, you know, something yeah. I'm always curious on is how people like yourself, you know, really intelligent women start mm-hmm. their day and end their day. Is there any practices mm-hmm. like that you would put into your morning routine or the way that you mm-hmm. wind down that help you, um, so to speak, have a more productive mm-hmm. or successful day? Yeah, that's a really great question. So, When I wake up, that's, well, we could answer tangibly or we could answer it overall. So maybe we go with both because we love being thorough. So I genuinely, (laughs) I genuinely, have you noticed that about me? (laughs) Thorough, thorough. One of the things I I really, really have found meditation to be an important part of my life. The thing is, before I started this work, meditation was very difficult, Mm. right? With high activation, sitting, paying attention to that noticing that sometimes that can be really hard and really unsafe and even now there are times when my activation is higher and I notice this little game that my mind plays <laughs> it's so mm. funny just just negotiation with myself or I wake up and there's a part of my nervous system that goes you don't have time to meditate mm. and I'm going is that true though like no not you don't have 10 minutes to meditate and I go okay do I have five minutes to meditate no you don't have five minutes <laughs> okay yeah. well do you have do you have three minutes to meditate? Yeah, okay, you have three minutes. So I do. It happens <laughs> every time. It's and so true. It's true. Oh, yeah. This is it's why you've so got options funny. on Headspace. Three, five, ten. It's like how totally. cool is my brain today? Yeah. <laughs> but, Pretty much. And this is a thing, right? This is, this, is, this is the kind of relationship that we start to develop with the parts of our psyche through AON, which is which part is asking and which part is answering. Yeah. And how do we create a relationship with it, which is really interesting. So three minutes seems to be the negotiable time. And then after a couple of days, then it's like, oh, maybe I have time. 
five minutes. Maybe wow, I yeah. can. <laughs> All right. So, so to answer your question, meditation and mindfulness is hugely important. Getting outside for me is really important. Over the years, I have come to learn that my nervous system is so sensitive, right? I, I notice so much. It's one of the reasons I'm in the line of work and have created the businesses I've created is to utilize the fact that my nervous system observes and processes and takes in so much information. And that takes a lot of self-care, right? So for instance, lights, sound, you know, groups of people, that's a lot of information for my brain to process. And I do really track and notice a lot. And as a result, I am super, um, I'm a super introvert. <laughs> mm. So some time at home alone, really quiet, making sure that my sensory system has a bit of a break. That's really important. The other thing for me is social engagement. So either that, I, uh, that might be through work or it might be speaking with my family. I do a lot of audio clips as well so I can hear people's voices. That's really regulating for my nervous system too. So sensory deprivation is one of the things I do, meditation and mindfulness, creating space for my own system to just down-regulate because I do do a lot of work with people face-to-face, -face. Yeah. but then staying in contact with people that I care for, listening to music is a big one. So there's nothing too out of the ordinary, particularly in this field, that I find my system... Um, that my system gravitates to, but it's more over the years, I've figured out how important that is. It's yeah, less yeah. about making sure those things are in and more about, well, how do I notice my system when I'm not doing those things? How do I experience my life when I am? And that really consolidates it um, for you. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And like, awesome. it's about noticing what you need in that given time. Like some days, three minutes is fine. Some days you need 10. Like I always talk about like in the gym, when we talk about warm ups. like sometimes you need to spend a little bit longer. Sometimes you need to spend a little bit less. It's about like yeah. noticing what your body totally. needs at that given present time. So yeah, totally. I just always find it interesting to hear what um, other mm. people do because I, I, mm. this, the more that we sort of talk to people and connect with people, it does come down to a lot mm. of those similar practices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. How Amazing. we practice instead of what we practice. Exactly. What that. a quote. And Michelle, where can our audience find or learn more about you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To learn more about me, I am on Instagram. We also have the Art of Noticing, which we've just launched on Instagram as well. And then we're also a part of the Sports Model Project. So you can find me and my business partner, Brooke, either at our Art of Noticing page or to apply at the Sports Motor Project. You can work with us and our curriculum directly. Yeah. And who is the type of person that you work with? I, in the Sports Motor Project, we work with high achievers like yourself. That are <laughs> That's why I've looking... been in it for four years. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm a client yeah. of the Sports Motor Project for that reason. And I've been with them now for three years. Love the program. Phenomenal. And the, and the people working there love them to bits. Just really amazing, amazing people. So High Achievers with the Sports Model Project looking to experience life through principle-based living. That is what we teach through the Mindset Project, which is a part of the Sports Model Project. The gals we work with in AON are women who have incredibly sensitive systems right? Really gentle, but have super sensitive systems, have done a lot of self-development and self-work and are ready to step into a position of leadership, whether or not it's facilitation, whether or not they're in counseling, whether or not they're in HR, working with people, but really trying to understand, well, how does everything that I've learned about my own system apply? How can I create a language of leadership and bring this out into the world? So two different kinds of women in two different 
um, areas that you can contact us in if you'd like to do some more work together. Fantastic. Perfect. Thank you awesome. so much for today. How are you feeling, Cheryl, awesome. after, after your first <laughs> taste of Michelle's magic? I'm a bit frazzled, but it was really <laughs> I think, like I said, it's all very new to me, yeah. um, very objective, don't really. But That's I've gained awesome. so much from this conversation. I'm really excited, um, you know, to even like I was speaking to the other day on WhatsApp and like even just the few little bits that we got out of our call last week, like I really did take a lot of that away. And it's just opened up, I guess, different ways of thinking. And like yeah. you said, like understanding um, perhaps I do some of the things that we spoke about, but now mm. being like, oh, that's why I do it and consolidating that thought. Yeah. Um, Normalization. Normalization. Yeah. So yeah. Like being Amazing. like, this is why doing that makes me feel better or vice versa. Uh-huh. Why not uh-huh. doing that makes me feel like rubbish. Mm. And I think that's really important is understanding mm. why we do the things that we do because it reinforces us to continue doing them. Yeah. yeah. And even us, more importantly, why our nervous system gravitates to things. Yeah. And how necessary that is for our survival and how necessary that is for safety in our experience. Mm. But then in attaining safety, we have the opportunity to open questions around, could it be different? If so, what would that be like? How do I even do that? Mm. Who do I even speak to about creating something like that? Yeah. And really opening a dialogue or a set of a series of questions on what comes next. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Great. thank you again. Thanks, ladies. It's really cool to to catch you as you are emerging into the world, even more so doing something that no one is doing. So mm-hmm. it's really mm-hmm. exciting it's to have you on. And, and um, if anyone has questions, please shoot them through to the Level Up page. But if you wish to learn more about Michelle's services, then can they just uh, hit you up on Instagram? Hundred percent. Contact. Yep. You? that definitely cool so all podcast questions to level up but if you want to level up on your mindset with michelle then contact her directly thanks ladies thanks again for tuning in guys um as always please do take a screenshot of the episode post it up on your story tag myself tag danielle and of course tag the beautiful michelle and we'll see you again next week thanks everyone and thank you michelle bye